Hi, this is Jennifer Zeman, your host of the Food That Binds on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. Today, I'm joined by Tal Baum, founder and CEO of Oliva Restaurant Group, which owns Bellinia Alimentari in Pont City Market, as well as Aziza, Falafel Nation, and Reina. Hi, Tal. Thanks for being here. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Could you please introduce yourself to listeners who may not know who you are? Sure. So my name is Tal Baum, born and raised in Israel, which defines a very big part of who I am and and what I do. At the age of 21, I moved to Italy, studied architecture in Florence, Italy. And that's also a big part of who I am. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more later, but my background in architecture and me living in Italy definitely shaped who I am today. And then when that chapter in my life ended, I moved to Atlanta and started uh, our restaurant group. And the rest, I'm sure we'll talk about very soon. (laughs) And what brought you to Atlanta? My uh, parents moved here when, while I was was still living in Italy. Mm -hmm. and, And I just wanted to be close to them. After spending almost eight years apart, I wanted to be close to my mom. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so speaking of your mom and your family and your childhood, just going all the way back, like when you like close your eyes, like what is your first food memory that like sticks with you? Like for me, I was born in Brazil and I remember like there were like these like really like super shiny glazed rolls at a birthday party. And I just I have this image in my head still. It was soft. It was sweet. How about you? So I have to say my first memory Food related is quite terrifying. Uh, it is <laughs> love it. Um, yes. So, and it kind of ties to the time of the year we're at now. But I remember my grandma used to go to the market back in Haifa, uh, and my grandma, by the way, is Rina, uh, which is one of Queen. our restaurants, Diana. a big inspiration when it comes to my food uh, relationship in life. Um, so I just remember going with her to the market getting fresh fish before Rosh Hashanah. She wanted the fish, her secret for making the best gefilte fish was to make sure the fish are stayed as fresh as possible. So we used to come home, she filled the bathtub with water. <laughs> the fish in there. That and is fresh gefilte fish, oh, oh my God. Fresh and that it can be, and, and apparently that was a thing, you know, before, they had refrigerators at home and before they could really, you know, buy the fish and keep it frozen until they wanted to use it or whatever. That's what they used to do. So she learned it from her mom. And even though she had a refrigerator in her house, she kept, you know, doing this, which was kind of fun as a child because you had fish swimming in the bathtub. It was kind of weird. <laughs> um, then, like a day before she would... I remember her like banging those fish so she can start filleting them and kind of go through the process of making it. It was quite terrifying as a child, but just, you know, those memories and spending time as a family together and how powerful food can be by bringing people together. I think that's kind of the, the message I have from, from that memory. I know, I mean, people might be listening to it and think it's quite crazy but you know growing up in Israel and and being Jewish food is such an important part of our life and I mean up 
to this day, my family does Shabbat dinner every Friday. We get oh, together impressive. no matter what we do, no matter what time we finish work, we get together as an extended family, my parents, my sister, all the, uh, all the kids. So every, we have pretty much Thanksgiving every Friday. And, and that moment where everybody stop and prioritize us as a family is so special to me. And so, you know, food has a very important role in shaping who I am and shaping uh, the power um, that I believe food has by bringing people together. So given that food is such an important part of your life, was there someone that stoked that curiosity? You mentioned your grandmother, which, you yes. know, with it, Reina, that's how you pronounce it. It's actually Reina's, I always say Rina, but Reina's probably my daughter and I's favorite restaurants, like our happy place. Like, oh, thank you. We love going there, like the falafel salad. Like we both get it with a side of fries and share it. And it's a very, it feels like a very joyful kind of restaurant versus, I mean, I've been to all of your restaurants, Aziza, the Italian and Ponce, but that restaurant feels very special to me. And it is, it's probably the most personal project we worked on. I started, you know, talking about my relationship to food by sharing a story, kind of weird story, but still sharing a story about my grandma, Rina. And she, I spent countless hours with her in the kitchen. We, we used to go to her house every day after school. Both my parents were working, school ends in Israel much earlier. I mean, you get off of school at around one o'clock. So you, you literally have the whole afternoon. So I used to come to her house and cook lunch every day and make those elaborated dishes. And she was so chill and easygoing and would literally be up to any challenge I will bring her way. And those moments, spending those moments with her in the kitchen were priceless. I, I've learned so much. She was an incredible, incredible cook. Uh, never used a recipe in her life. It was all like sometimes when I moved out of Israel and I lived in Italy, I would call her and ask her, Safta, which is how you say grandma in, in Hebrew. I mean, how do you make this and this? I'm like, I have no idea. I just pour a cup of this, like a pinch of that. I eyeballed this. So she never <laughs> used a recipe. She used her heart to measure everything and kind of cook very intuitively. So we wanted to bring that to Rina. We wanted Rina to feel like the beach in Tel Aviv. We wanted when guests to feel as if they are transported into another world almost. That, you know, yes, we are all on the belt line, but you can feel, if you close your eyes, you can imagine that you are on the beach in Tel Aviv sipping a frozen cocktail and just chilling and enjoying the weather. Either. That Israel is like, I remember the first time I went to Tel Aviv and I was like a teenage girl, like listening to The Cure, you know, with my parents all broody. And there were all these like hot Israeli surfer boys like outside of my hotel at like the beach. And it's like such a vibrant beach culture. And it does feel a lot like that. It's, it's interesting. And I, I never put two and two together, but I love that. When did you know? I mean, you have so many vivid memories and your grandmother was so you know, like did such a great service to you by showing you where food really came from, really with seeing the fish, right? I mean, it's not just some thing that you buy in the store, you know, that's already on ice. When did you know that this was where you wanted to dedicate 
your life that you wanted to work in this industry? I think living in Italy opened my world to so many different flavors and a completely different way of life. Because in Italy, you don't just go to the supermarket and get your ingredients. I mean, yeah, of course there are supermarkets and of course, you know, you can. But I lived literally two blocks from the market and I had a relationship with a vendor who is also the farmer that brought the freshest produce possible. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to get a tomato in the winter, that was just not an option because it doesn't grow in tomatoes, doesn't grow in wintertime. So just that understanding of how seasonality works mm. and the relationship between the terroir and the weather and the land and how we consume our food is so important and meaningful. And, you know, it's a movement that back when I was growing up wasn't that strong. No. And seeing that from completely different eyes while living in Italy really made me extremely passionate about food and sourcing and the way we consume ingredients and the culture and the story behind them. Because there is always a story. There is always why. And every dish, especially in Italy, has a wonderful story behind it. And it's so romantic. And I, I worked as an architect for a few years. I've designed a few houses here in Atlanta. And I also work in an architecture firm back in Italy. And I just felt like something is missing. So after being here for a few years, I decided that I want to pursue my hospitality dream and just did it and didn't think about it too much. I think, you know, the fact that I was so young probably helped a lot. How old were you when you started? When we opened Bellina, I, I was 30. And it was your first restaurant. It was my first and, restaurant. And I mean, you went big. I mean, Pont City Market on the corner. I mean, you went big. You had retail. You had prepared foods. And honestly, like compared to even like, what was the guy's Italian restaurant at the end? Brezza. Uh, uh, Brezza. Yeah. I mean, you like outlived Waxman's restaurant. You ha you're still there, which, you know, just from a restaurant perspective, was like people were choosing your Italian over his, which for someone as as established as he is, meant you were probably doing it very right. <laughs> Not that it's a competition, but just yes, of course. And of, never I look like at it. I know, but I look at it from a contrasting point of view, especially with all of these food halls and just watching the evolution of food halls and how these things stay and what what works and what doesn't. It's very interesting to see what works. Like at Krog too, there's been some concepts that have been there from day one and there's, you know, spaces that have moved around, but Bellinia was your favorite, your first and, and, you know, it still continues to be a success. And then it was falafel and Aziza, no? Yes. 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 Yeah. Right. So Bellina was first and then we opened Aziza and falafel nation. Rina was the last one we opened six weeks before the pandemic hit in uh, January, 2020. Yes. Wow. And now we are working on two new projects, which is uh, really exciting. Yeah. I saw there was Carmel. There's yeah. Carmel. Yes. That is going to open in the um, shops of Buckhead, hopefully next spring. And there is Atrium, which is actually going to be located at the old Brezza Cucina space. So it's kind <laughs> of a full circle there. 
<laughs> yes. that. That's how it's going on and on. This is my job to assess the state of restaurants <laughs> in Atlanta. <laughs> so, you know, but something that I, I read about you that I found really interesting was that your architecture background influences the spaces that you're choosing. I mean, the shops of Buckhead's not so like, you know, storied, but that area really is like an underserved spot, you know, right. for that type of food. So it makes a lot of sense. And then Sharini Bakery going there, which is so exciting to have a Persian bakery going in there as well. But why is that important to you to reuse spaces? So I just see a value in and, and a challenge at the same time for me personally. I just love seeing a blank space, a blank canvas, if you wish, and envisioning what we can do to revitalize that space. How can we bring life to a space that is currently vacant or how, what modifications can we introduce to the space to make it work? And it is my biggest passion. I, when we started working on the project in Buckhead, we were literally spending time in the piazza there, sitting and observing and trying to understand what we can do to fill a gap that is mm. currently, how can we fill that gap that is currently there? How can we bring our personality and what we are passionate about as a restaurant group to that, to that development? And it was just, it's a fascinating process. And my background in architecture definitely helps me process and analyze and kind of put together those pieces of the puzzle that uh, are necessary in order to come up with a floor plan that will work and a menu that will cater uh, to our needs and put together an inspiration board that will reflect the place, but also us as a restaurant group. I think that's always the balance that we are trying to uh, focus on. We are adapting the concept to the location needs and what we think is missing without losing our DNA as a restaurant group, our core values and what we believe in. And I think that what makes it so special because each project is very personal, but at the same time, we have a, an understanding of what the customers want. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to balance those two uh, with each a new project that we are opening. And one of the other things I saw you mention with these selections in these locations is that a sense of community is also really important, which is why you haven't done a standalone restaurant, which I thought was really amazing because like when I do think of Israeli food, it's a very communal thing with the salads. And I mean, it is a very, it's not a, a solo process in a way, you know what I mean? But it's a matter of hospitality too. I, I feel like community and hospitality go hand in hand. Absolutely. Can you speak more to that? Yeah. So I am a great believer again. I mean, I think that's a phrase that I've been repeating quite a lot during this conversation, just because I truly believe in it. Food has the power of bringing people together. And in every development that we are in, we have such an amazing relationship with, with a landlord. Uh, most of our restaurants are located in Jamestown properties. And we, I'm, I'm forever grateful for them as, as a landlord and for opening the door to me with, with Belina. And I feel so proud to be part of that 
the community that we have in each one of those locations, uh, just because the selection of operators is so unique or not the selection, the variety of operators is, is so unique and the relationship between the different tenants are, are so meaningful. And we are able, when you have a standalone restaurant, it is very punctual. People might go and visit you. But when you are part of a bigger project, you're really revitalizing an area. And again, maybe that's my background in architecture, but that's mm -hmm. what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about making a bigger impact. And by us being part of those bigger properties, we have the ability to reach a larger crowd and to make a bigger impact. And you mentioned your values as a restaurant group. What are they? Our tagline is sharing flavorful moments. We are big believers that food, again, can connect people. And we want to provide our guests with an experience. We want to share our flavorful moments with you. And we want to immerse you in an experience. It's, I think, every, in every one of the restaurants that you walk, when you walk into every one of our restaurants, each one of them feels so unique and so mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to create uh, a little bubble within our day-to-day -day life. We're trying to, once you open the door, we're trying to allow you into our world. We're trying to provide you with a pause from your hectic day-to-day -day life and have a moment uh, where you can appreciate life, where you can appreciate the company you're uh, with, appreciate the food, nourish your, both your body and soul. And I would say that, you know, sharing the flavorful moments is kind of the umbrella that we're trying to operate under. And with every decision we take, we always look up and make sure that everything we do kind of falls under that roof. And yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. It's interesting though, when you say that, that it's like a bubble, because I remember the first time I came to Rinna and I came in through the back, through the Ford factory lofts, which is like weird because I used to go there as a teen and like hang out at my friend's lofts before we went to masquerade. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a different experience. It's like walked in and then I went through like where the bike is and then you come into the restaurant and it's like, oh my God, it's really, it feels really special, almost like a hidden thing, like almost like. I don't know if you knew that restaurant, what was it called? Hasalan in New York. That was a Tel Aviv restaurant that opened. Yes. And it was like a hidden, it felt very special. And then, then you go up the stairs and then there's the belt line and there's all this life. You can tell that you thought it through. Like, it's not just about the restaurant and the food. It's also about that specialness, which I think, honestly, it also comes because you're a female. And that's another thing I wanted to discuss with you because listen, I've been writing about Atlanta restaurants now 15 years and most of the restaurant groups are led by white men. Okay. So to have someone who's an immigrant and a woman and a Jewish woman, you know, like in this position, I mean, between you and the Castellucci group, I think you're really one of the only ones. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Is that meaningful to you or do you not live your life that way? <laughs> Some women aren't feminists. I don't know, you know? Yes and yeah. no. Because okay. I never look at myself as a woman who have accomplished. I look at myself as a business women who have accomplished or as a restaurateur who have accomplished what have I've accomplished. I never look at myself as a woman and pat myself on the shoulder and say, <laughs> yes, I did it. Despite the fact I'm a woman, 
Right. Uh, I, it's, it's a non-issue with me. When I walk into a room with 10 other men and I need to negotiate a lease or I need to argue with one of my landlord, the fact that I'm a woman, I don't care about that. I see myself as an equal and that's it. I, I never let my gender define how I operate. And, mm-hmm. you know, in many cases, I'm the youngest people in the room, especially when I first started. English is my second language. I, yes, as you mentioned, I mean, I was born in Israel. I moved here. I'm a female. I'm Jewish. I was only 30 when I started, but I am so driven and by my passion and what I believe in. I never even stopped and paused and said or dedicate any thought to the fact I'm a woman. It's, mm-hmm. it's a non-issue for me. Mm-hmm. I just do what I do because I can and because I love doing it. And my gender, my ethnicity, my origins, that doesn't matter. That's how my dad was as an immigrant. He was yeah. like, I, I never used being a Mexican you know, or a Jew, even though they used it against me. I never used it. I just Absolutely. wanted to succeed and do what I was good at. Yeah. And I'm so proud representing my culture. I'm so proud being a woman. Uh, I'm so proud doing everything that I do. Well, both Uh, statements could be true. You don't use it and you're proud that you're a woman who has accomplished it. Exactly, exactly. You know that there are plenty of women chefs in this town that don't get their due and and you are a role model, whether you like it or not. I mean, like I'm I'm inspired by you by, you know, the fact that you were so young, even when you did it. I mean, it takes a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. 100%. Again, sometimes I look back like, what was I thinking? Uh, but sometimes you have to have it in you in order to, to get in. And it's part of my DNA. That's how I was brought up. That's, mm-hmm. you know, my, my family background and who... My dad is also an entrepreneur, a very successful businessman. And I was just taught since day one that it's not about who you are. It's about what you do. And so you don't come up with excuses. You just do it. And don't right. let any prejudgmentals or any stereotypes be in your way. Just mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. And you have. I mean, obviously you're having <laughs> it's a constant great. struggle. Every day is a struggle, but I try. I try uh, to the best of my ability. But you can't <laughs> deny that there's not enough women at the level in this town or even in the country where you are. And, you know, if 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 you were going to give anyone any advice that is maybe, you know, a female chef who wants to go on her own, what what would it be? So it's a, it's a tricky question. It's a very tricky question because I also was extremely privileged to have my family support to help me launch Belina and get it off the ground, Mm -hmm. which I believe is usually the main challenge, being able to find the resources to take your vision uh, and turn it into reality. Uh, But one thing that I think COVID taught us that you can be successful and you can launch a business even without a brick and mortar location. I mean, with online platforms that are providing such huge exposure and, you know, social media and different channels that are available nowadays, if you're really passionate about something, if you believe that you want to pursue a career in this industry, don't 
let anything intimidate you. Try it. If you don't try, you won't know. And I'm a great believer that if you don't go for it and you give it everything you can, you will live the rest of your life in regret. So we all fail. Failure is a part of it. Before I signed the lease at Ponce Market for Belina, I heard five other landlords that turned me down. They didn't believe in me, but I didn't give up. I, I kept going and going and going until I found that the spot and the landlord that you know knew I can pull it all together. And so just be extremely passionate about what you want to do. Believe in yourself. It only needs one person to say yes, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. But but you have to believe in yourself more than anyone else. Because if you do not believe in yourself and if you're not 100% committed to your goal, and that's regardless of the type of industry you're in or the type of business you're in, if you're not 100% committed, and 100% or even 200% passionate about what you want to do, you will not be able to make it. You have to be, you have to be success driven and you have to love what you do in order to do that. Now you said that, you know, you love food. Food is your life. You could talk about it for me, me too. I mean, obviously that's why I'm doing a podcast now. I'm not even making any money off this and just literally so I don't bother the rest of the people in my life talking about food all the time because <laughs> <laughs> they don't think about it as much as I do. But I mean, what was food like for you growing up? I mean, your grandmother was an influence, but what role did it play in your family? Was it a connector? Was it an obsessive yeah. thing? Yeah, it was. It's funny because depending on what day of the week, during the week when both my parents were working, mm-hmm. food was just okay, we need to eat just so we can go on with our day. So it was always quick. I don't have fond memories of, you know, sitting at the dinner today together every day of the family. What I do have, and that's probably the fondest memory I have, are the weekly Friday night dinner and all the Jewish holidays or spending a whole Saturday barbecuing and at one of our you know, friend's house or my family's house. To me, any social gathering has to have some food involved in it. It's just a part of extending your soul. It's about being mm. hospitable. It's about showing someone you care. To me, when you know someone comes to my house, the, and I have to say that, I, I think I've mentioned that several times in the past, but I have to repeat it because I think it's such a cultural thing but if someone comes and I was shocked when I first moved here and I, you know, my kids used to have play dates and, you know, the other parent that brought their, their kid over would come to my house with a Starbucks cup. And to me, this is so rude. You're coming to my house, bringing yourself food, not even thinking about me. I always offer to bring one to my friend, by the way, when I pick them up, I think it's a cultural thing. Exactly. So first of all, if you're coming to my house, let me make you coffee. My coffee is probably 200 times better than the Starbucks (laughs) one. And also, that's my way of showing I care. I care. I'm going to take great care of your child while they're here. Just let me bring you into my world. Mm. And I think that's, you know, that's such a minor cultural difference, but it's not minor. 
<laughs> it influences everything, right? Yes, yes. Because to me, it shows how much you care about the other person, mm-hmm. how much you want to give and go out of your way to make them feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm in the business of serving food to people. That's the one thing that I'm the most passionate about seeing people eating our food and smiling and like having this wow moment is mm-hmm. so inspiring to me. I know that I can make someone happy by serving them a simple dish of pasta. I know that I can make an evening memorable uh, for a couple that comes and have their anniversary dinner at Aziza. I am part of those, or we are part of those special moments in life. And it's just so meaningful to me. And we want to show you that we care. You're listening to The Food That Binds on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. This is Jennifer Zeman, and I'm interviewing Tal Baum. Each is like a mitzvah, though, you know, which a mitzvah for listeners, if you don't, it's like a good deed. I try to do one a day, even if it's something small. Right. Yes. But it's like when you think about it, you're just doing so many mitzvahs every single day through all of these experiences. The couple having the meal, somebody who had a bad day and a bowl of pasta like is just going to comfort them, you know, or even like like my daughter and I like we just love our things, you know, our meals and just something, especially during the pandemic, to be able to take her somewhere where I feel safe and it's outdoors and there's the food feels so I mean, it does feel very Israeli. I mean, that's one thing when I think I post on Instagram after I had it, I was like, I feel like I was in Israel when I was eating here. You know, and I didn't say that about Aziza. You can give me. It really feels like that. It, and those French fries are ridiculously addictive. My ex-husband and I text about them. We're like, oh God, the fries, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like so funny. But um, given all of your restaurants, um, I think another thing I really love is that even though you are, you obviously are trained, you know, have, have learned how to cook from your grandmother. And living in Italy, you know, that you delegate well. And with Brandon Hughes, mm-hmm. yes, with Brandon, who is your culinary director, is that correct? His title now? He he really leads all of the food. What is your relationship like? Because I have to imagine your perspective is very strong given that these are originating from your memories. No? How does and that work? So We have a wonderful relationship, and I think the best thing we have is our dialogue. And the the strengths uh, between us is that I bring my memories, and he translates them to the Atlantic crowd and make them more approachable. Mm. Because even though I have the field of fish memories, pretty sure (laughs) 99.9% of our diners would not want to eat them at any of our restaurants. Um, So it's really, it's a wonderful relationship. And I'm so grateful that life brought us together. And he is a a very important part of where we are today and our success. And I think he's just an extremely talented chef and extremely creative individual. And I, I feel very lucky to have him as part of our group. And like, so tell me what the process is like. You come to him and you're like, I want to make, you know, give me a dish that you guys worked on that he was able to, you know, help you make more approachable. So I think a great example, and that's just a, like a simple one, but I think it really 
shows that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the staple sauces that we use over at uh, Falafel Nation and also Rina is our amba sauce, mm-hmm. which is traditionally made uh, out of fermented mangoes. But because we're in Georgia and we have such an abundancy of peaches, Brennan came up with a genius idea Smart. of let's make peach amba. So we're taking this traditional sauce Love and it. using a local ingredient. So that's, you know, just one example, but it is layered into our menu pretty much across the board. Um, is it hard yeah. to give up that control or is it like a relief? It was how at much- first. It was <laughs> at first, for sure. But at the same time, you can grow if you don't let go and trust mm-hmm. your team. So once I... You know, it's funny. I compare it. I have three small children. I, so I kind of compare that letting go to parenting because you want to give them good foundation. You want to make sure you have good systems in place. You want to trust them to be uh, responsible individuals. And then you can take a step back and watch them thrive. And that's the same philosophy that an approach that I take with both my kids and the restaurant. I am heavily involved in the foundation. I'm heavily involved Hmm. in everything to set the restaurant up for success. And then I and the the rest of the corporate team takes a step back. Hmm. We still oversee everything. We're still there every day. We are still in very close connection with them. But we let the restaurant team, the management team, own it and feel like it is their restaurant. We are here to Hmm. support them. We are here to provide them tools for success, but it's their own. And just seeing that process and seeing that, you know, because every restaurant starts in my head. Uh, so seeing that almost snow, um, snowball starting to roll and grow and grow and grow. And for an idea to leave my head and become into reality and then to become um, and to hear servers talking and explaining about our concepts to diners is mind blowing to me because it means, you know, they get it and they love being part of it. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that the servers are always very happy at a season. We <laughs> try very helpful. to treat them very, very well. <laughs> That's definitely something I, we proud, we're very proud about. And Josh Riddle, who is our director of operation. And by, by the way, both Brandon and Josh are our partners in, in the, the company. It's the three of you, no? The yes, three of you are the us. group? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliva, no? Yes, Oliva mm-hmm. Restaurant Group. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh is extremely, uh, fond of the idea that we need to treat our employees in the best, uh, way possible because we want them to stay. We want them to feel good about what we do. We want them to be proud. We want them to have a good quality of life. And so we really try to balance that and make sure we're providing them with fair and with fear uh, wage you know, and benefits yeah absolutely i mean yes. it's a huge thing right now i'm sure you're not immune to it but i mean people are having restaurants everywhere especially in atlanta from what i'm seeing because that's what i mostly follow are having a really hard time getting staff and it's very hard i think it's because a lot of people don't want to work in an industry where they don't always get treated so well so exactly. the fact that they're they're operators like you guys that are making an effort to create work-life balance is makes me want to support you guys even more because that's another thing that i've been noticing i'm not a gatekeeper i can't keep tabs on what every single restaurateur is doing in the privacy of their own home and if they're a good person or not because who the hell knows 
as the past few years and Me Too showed us. But I feel like I'm now voting with my dollars as a diner. And I only want to support restaurateurs that treat their staff well. You know, I mean, that's only one part of it, but that's a really important part for yeah, me now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's as a business owner, to me, it's such a holistic approach because the more you invest in the employees, you know, if you just look at that, you might say that, you know, financially, it's not the wisest decision to go by because you spend mm-hmm. more money on them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then they represent you as a brand so much better. They're so much happy about where they are. You have retention, low turnover. No turnover, exactly. Mm-hmm. You don't have to invest training dollars. So it's a very holistic approach to running a business in a more sustainable way. Well, it's a more forward-thinking approach, I think. And not everyone is able to think five, six steps in advance. Yes. But something I do have to hook on to because I'm a mom. I have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old daughters here. How the hell do you do it if you have three small children? I, I knew you were a mom, but geez. The same question every day. <laughs> What's <laughs> so your work-life I, balance? <laughs> yes. Um, so I have three children, eight, six, and three. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and how and many restaurants now? Five? Is Excuse it me? Five? It's going to be five restaurants five, now, huh? Yes. Five. And it's a huge part of who I am. And I have a great support system. I, I have, I delegate. That's my secret. I delegate, <laughs> delegate, delegate. I'm seeing a trend. I'm seeing yes. a trend. Yes. I am there for my kids every step of the way. I am there when they come home from school. I am there every weekend. We go on wonderful trips together. I put them to bed every night, but I'm not there to pick them up from school every day and to have play dates during the week and certain other things that I just cannot fit into my busy schedule. Right. Uh, but I think, and that's probably because that's the way I was brought up. I am teaching them so much more by living this lifestyle. And I think I am empowering them to be successful in life, to think outside of the box. And they are my biggest supporters. They love all of my restaurants. They are so proud. And and that's a kind of role model I want to provide them with that, you know, yes, it's sometimes hard. And sometimes when you're caught in the moment, it can be very frustrating. But at the same time, I'm doing it for them or for, for our family, for, for our future. And they completely get it and understand. And they love going to all the restaurants. They, oh, I'm sure. I was going to wonder if they turned into restaurant people yes, themselves on their own. I, yeah. I can't wait for them to be old enough to like wash dishes at the restaurants. Yes. Oh my God, what once, a lesson. Like as a summer, as yeah. a summer gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't think my staff will be very appreciative of that, but we will see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, I wouldn't lie. Anyone who say, oh yeah, it's so easy would be lying. It's yeah. a constant struggle, but I leave a uh, regret free. Like I don't, when I'm at work, There's I'm so much guilt, work. so much mom guilt, man. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I would be a liar to say that I don't have those moments like that. I want to be home when I'm at work or vice versa, but it is what it is. And, and living your life with guilt and it's not going to bring you anywhere. It just Mm -hmm. makes you less productive wherever you are. Mm -hmm. So I really try to give 100% of myself 
when I'm with the kids and 100% when I'm at work. And I, and I have very clear boundaries. I'm not part of the operation. So I'm not, I, I'm not doing weekends. I don't have to be there at the restaurants mm-hmm. uh, Saturday and Sunday. And that's kind of the way when, when I've discussed with my husband before we opened Belina and when everything started, that was my, that was my boundary. That was my rule. I'm not going to be a part of the operation so that I can be home for my family. And obviously there are emergent emergencies and sometimes I'm there, but the rule of thumb is weekends are for my family. And that's kind of well, in a way, I mean, not to be cheesy, but as an architect, this is the way you've kind of built it from the foundation. Yeah. <laughs> up, you know. But I do love what you said to kind of use another architecture reference that with your children and with the businesses that you build the foundation. I love that because we can't always be there for every single detail as moms, you know, like I remember once I was doing like a photo shoot with the AJC and my daughter's like, why can't you be at this thing at school? And I was like, I've got a photo shoot. She's like, all the moms are there that was like, but it's a photo shoot for the AJC, <laughs> you know, and she didn't get it. But if the foundation is there, if she has her friends and her sports and her temple and her family and these supports and all the different overlapping circles, that center of the Venn diagram will hopefully. <laughs> yes. And you know, I can tell you from my own experience growing up because both my parents were working and as a child, it is frustrating. My dad was on a completely different level. He, right. And I think that's where my will to put some boundaries and balances is coming from because my dad was never there. I think he was maybe in like five birthday parties for me growing up. He missed all major Making mind- a living though, right? For the Making rest- a yeah. living, yes. Yeah. My dad was the same. He did 250 cities in five years traveling for coca-cola oh, crazy that's but insane. like that's why i was able to go to emory university and get a good education though you know so like how can you be mad you know i mean it's it's hard you know yeah it is and so as a child i didn't really get it i i was angry with him and now when i'm a parent and i am kind of in the same boat i completely understand but at the same time, I also try to manage my time in a way that will prioritize my kids mm-hmm. uh, when they deserve it and when they need me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good philosophy. I mean, it's got to be hard. I mean, what does drive you, though? Like uh, when you look forward to the future, like what's enough? Like how many restaurants is enough? Like why do why do you continue to open restaurants? Like if the other ones are successful, I just wonder because I never, some restaurateurs, they open one restaurant, they, they only have one. I think creating is what drives me. Mm. I, I love creating new spaces. I love expanding uh, more and more, creating more bubbles in, in the, for, for people to enjoy. I, I love that creation process is definitely the, the part I enjoy the most. and. I don't know. I mean, it's a hard, it's a tough one. It's a question I ask myself every day, but I'm not stopping quite yet. I mean, it's We're like asking an yet. artist how many paintings then, right? How many paintings yes. is enough? If, and, and the cool thing about these pieces of art is that they're living and breathing Absolutely. and that they evolve too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yes. It's fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. for now, I really enjoy what we do and I'm looking forward to the new places to, for, to, for the new 
two places to open and mm-hmm. we'll Can see. Can talk more about, so, so are all of the restaurants Israeli and Italian? No, no, no. So okay. that's, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it up. So Atrium and Carmel, I, I think, wait, let me pause and, and start that phrase again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. It, so Belina, Atrium and Rena are all my personal experience and Falafel Nation are all my personal experience. They are representing different phases in my past, in my I personal love journey. Oh, I love that. Atrium and Carmel represent the present and the future with Brandon and Josh. Mm. We are creating something together. Both those projects are something we are, all three of us are heavily involved in and we are, that's our next chapter. We are creating it together. Mm. And the input, it's not only about my personal journey anymore. It's about our journey as, as a team, which is super special to me. And I'm so grateful for being able to do that together. So Atrium is going to be serving a modern American cuisine. Like dinner? Some, it's going to be like sit-down dinner situation? It's going to be a sit-down, yes. Mm-hmm, we're, mm-hmm. we're creating this bubble inside Pond City Market, a place where you can have a tranquil moment from the hustle and bustle of the market we are taking over the old present space. So we're going to have a magnificent craft cocktail bar and a full dining uh, restaurant. And it's, the space is going to be so special and unique. I don't know if you were able to see the construction barricade that we have on. but it's, No, but I remember that space was quite large and it had it a was large quite large, And mm-hmm. we are transforming it oh, I bet into you will. <laughs> something completely different i'm so excited it's going to be magical where we want to create this bubble a green space inside positive market mm. an enchanted environment whimsical and fun we are collaborating with so many different artists and local artisans to make the space unique we have handmade tile by by charlotte smith and we have keeper who is a mural artist coming from savannah who is going to do a beautiful, crazy mural at the bar area. And we have um, glass artists that are making our chandelier. Oh my goodness. Everyone are here within the Georgia. I love that. Within Georgia. And working with Woodmill Lab for all the Woodmill. I'm sorry, I'm probably forgetting so many other. Oh, Pinker Times, who are an amazing dehydrated flower artist who is going to do crazy art. What's her name? I need. Mean, I- what who, pink or what pinker times mm. so it is going to be wonderful when it's complete and i guess that's a part when i say that creation of space is what excites me the most i can tell we are able to collaborate and, and extend the opening of our restaurant and our growth to so many others so our inner circle is growing and we are supporting so many other entrepreneurs and young artists and professionals in our community that feeling is just overwhelming to me I'm, I'm so excited about it to be able to provide someone else with the opportunity to showcase their work and in Pond City Market so yes and that was something that I had when I read that you were prone to doing spaces where you used every piece of kind of the land and everything the terroir, as you mentioned earlier, if you will, I mean, all of these artisans are also part of the terroir. So I was going to ask what Georgia means to you, but it's like, it's almost like you're a big tree that's like soaking it up through your roots and then creating and giving back, which I yes. love. 
Yes, that's a great way to define it. I have to write it down so I will remember <laughs> if anyone writer. else ever asked me that question. <laughs> but they're your resources. But, they're your quote unquote natural resources here in Georgia, yes, right? Yes, and I love it. I, I just do. And it's the food is going to be wonderful. It's going to be very different from all of our, our restaurants. Very comforting and nourishing. And, and obviously everything that we do, we focus on quality and sourcing the best ingredient possible and we make everything in house so the experience is going to be wonderful i can't wait for what us kind of to... dishes will be like give me an example of what modern american through y'all's lenses so it's going to be a combination of lots of vegetable four dishes and lots of appetizers that have like crudo and mm. bold flavors fresh ingredients, very light, but at the same time, fun. Mm -hmm. uh, like we're thinking of one of the desserts, we might have like a crazy, very retro style um, banana split nice. that, you know, with amarena cherries and homemade ice cream and like really, really fun. So we're taking those classics and kind of giving them our own interpretation, trying to make them fun, make them obviously delicious. Homemade, um, completely yeah, homemade. Yeah, those dishes that makes you feel good and and put a smile on your face. That's kind of the goal with Atrium and with Carmel. So Carmel is going to be a coastal cuisine, uh, which is for us what it means. It's not necessarily a, an inspiration driven from a region or from a certain area. It is a philosophy towards cooking. So it's, you know, inspired by California and Mediterranean style of cooking and the, the DNA of those kitchens where it's all about the prime ingredients. Simplicity, let the ingredients shine. Uh, use the best ingredient possible uh, and serve them on a plate uh, when they're in season, when they are ripe and fresh and, and delicious and just let the ingredients shine very light and seasonal and food that makes you feel good about yourself. And that's the, the direction we are going with, with Carmel. And it's going to be a gorgeous space. Yes, we're now in the preliminary uh, design phase. And it's all like all the pieces of the puzzle are starting to be put together. So it's really exciting. I'm sure you're like totally creatively charged right now. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, One, we talked about the new restaurants. Is there is there anything else as we end the call that you would like to promote? Any organizations, any people, anyone you want to give a shout out to? I just like, you know, your Instagram, if you want people to follow you. Yeah, for sure. So I am so grateful for my team. Those are the people, you know, from our corporate structure, from Josh, Brandon and, and you know, the, the rest of the team to our dishwashers and servers and other individuals in, in our organization. I, I keep telling them every day, I'm nothing without you. The fact that each individual in our organization uh, has a very important role and it's, I am grateful to be surrounded by all those dedicated, hardworking professionals. And they are the ones that really allow us to achieve our growth and our success. And I'm very, very grateful for, for my team. As far as uh, Instagram accounts, uh, I am not very active as social, <laughs> but I've made a commitment to start being more active. 
So <laughs> I think I posted on Instagram yesterday after like seriously 15 years. I think you've been uh, busy opening five restaurants and raising three children. So yeah. I'm, I'm a very private person. I do not like to expose myself. Well, thank or you for I coming on the like, podcast then. <laughs> yes, that's different. You know, I have no talking about it is fine. Yeah. But, you know, when I go on vacation, I don't want the rest of the world to see and know about yeah. it. I yeah. want to just have a good time with my yeah. family. So it's uh, something I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> So if people want to keep up with the restaurants, how do they do that? Our website is olivarestaurants.com. Um, and Oliva, Oliva, is that anything special? So I guess Oliva is and olives are kind of that connection to the land, to the terroir. It's something that you find all over the, the Mediterranean. I mean, where all of my, you know, steps and stops in life. We're always around the olive tree, and whether it's Israel or, or Italy, Georgia does not have a lot of olive trees, but still, we're bringing it. We're bringing it here. There is so someone making kind of... Georgia olive oil, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm a big fan of yours, and I'm really excited to see what the new restaurants hold. If they're anything like the other ones, I will love them. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. It was right. so lovely talking to you. Nice talking to you too. Bye. Well, that's this week's show. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Tal for joining me. You can follow her on oliverestaurants.com. If you want to keep up with me on social, you can find me as Jennifer Zeman or The Food That Binds on the Instagram and Twitter. We're going to be off next week, so there is no new show, but we will be back on the 28th with Marwan Irani of Chai Pani. Again, we're off next week and we'll be back the 28th. This is Jennifer Zeman, your host of The Food That Binds on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network.